You're listening to a message from Stonegate Church in Midlothian, Texas. For more information about Stonegate and additional audio resources, visit Stonegate-Church.com. What a story. Uh, What good news it is, even in that story, just the sovereign and good hand of God. Uh, that it was simply an act or acts of God that, 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 that really allowed Carolina to be born uh, today. And I, and I know here at Stonegate we have, this, we have a high view of God's sovereignty. Now, I want to point out that, we, that when it comes to God's sovereignty, it's twofold. That God's, God is sovereign when good happens. God is sovereign when bad happens in this life. Uh, 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 the wisest man uh, during his time said this, that in prosperity, we need to be joyful. In adversity, we need to consider God has made one as well as the other. Ecclesiastes 7 14, God is in control, governing and guiding in either one. I love it how one scholar says that there is no maverick molecule if God is sovereign, that he doesn't waste a circumstance, a situation, or any other sort to bring forth his purpose. That's good news. That our good father, he sits in heaven, the psalmist sits, and he does whatever he pleases. With that, let's pray and then we're going to get into today's message. Father, we thank you that you are a sovereign, a sovereign God. But even in misfortune, even in, 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 in sin, even in our choices, whether good or bad, somehow, way, you're able to make all things work together for our good and for your glory. And you sent your son to ensure that, that we sinners saved by grace who continues to make self-interest decisions, self-centered decisions, you still use us somehow. So we take time and we bask in your glory and in your grace. Will you please now speak to your children? Will you please encourage, edify, and reassure during this time, us of your love, which was poured out for us by the giving of your spirit. Leave us longing more for Jesus Christ. I pray this in your son's name. Amen. Now, I know that today's sermon is going to be heard through different lenses. Today we're talking about the sanctity of life and how abortion has diminished that. And there are some in here who have committed abortion. Uh, The stats prove that uh, four out of ten pregnancies end and are are terminated by abortion. So think about it. If we're we're in this kind of room, there is somebody here who has committed the act. And or maybe you are the person that, that has supported abortion through counsel or financing it. Somehow, somewhere you you played a part in, uh, in uh, a lady deciding to terminate her pregnancy. 
And maybe you're here and you're in the room and you're saying, how could such a person or people decide to do such a grotesque act? And, um, and if that's you in, in, in this room, I want to say up front, there is forgiveness. Complete forgiveness. That if you look back in Isaiah, the Bible says that Christ, that God sent his son to be not only our sin offering, but also our guilt offering. That if you have committed or supported this act, Christ's death on the cross not only handled or got rid of your sin, he also carried to the cross your guilt. That, 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 that a godly sorrow should lead us with no regret. Now, given, though forgiveness is complete and final, healing takes time. And so, man, my prayer, and this is that, man, that this message would remind you of one and cause you to remember you have a community of believers who are willing to walk with you in your time of healing. You have that. Now maybe you're here and you're saying, okay, that's none of me, but here I am, I'm on this side trying to have a baby and I've yet been able to have We've yet been able to conceive a baby. My prayer is that in this sermon, or even up front, you would know and believe that God's grace is sufficient in Christ. That even in the midst of hardship, you can boast more of Jesus than your hardship. That even in the midst of you being weak or, or unable to produce, listen to me, God will, God will give you grace. He will sustain you with grace, man, to be so completely satisfied if you just continue to, to, to gaze upon the goodness and grace of Jesus. You're okay. There's nothing wrong. God is working even in that for his glory. And you're good. And because he's sovereign, he knows best. Can we say amen to that? With that being said, I won't be able to handle or to, or to address all of those, those things. And so I'm going to focus on two things this morning. That if you are Christian, how do you deal with being pro-life inside the womb? being pro-life inside the womb. And also, if you're a Christian, how, you, how do you deal with being pro-life outside of the womb? The womb, I'm sorry, womb, not womb, but womb. How do you deal with this? And to address this, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, uh, look at Psalm 139 verses uh, 13 through 16, which scholars say that points to the power, the all-powerful attribute of God, that, 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 birth, that birth is a display of God's powerful hand uh, in humans. One scholar said that, that when you read this text, that, that the presence of birth is not really meant for you to sit there and, and, and to try to calculate it, but it's to marvel at the goodness and grace of God and, and how he creates life. Okay? So I'm going to go, I'm, so, so dealing with pro-life, I'm, I'm going to address three things. Where does life, where does human life come from? Where does, where does human life begin, and when does human life end? Let me uh, take for you the first one. Psalm, one nine, Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14. 
David says, for you formed my inward parts. You, you formed my inward parts. He says that, 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 that you knitted me together in my mother's womb. You, you formed, you knitted, so I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And my soul knows it very, he says, very well. But God, that, that when it comes to, to, to this issue, God, and, it, yeah, and, and what really in this text amazes me is that David has no, no, no avenue to look at some 3D image. Like he's, he's, that this is a prophetic thing or word that, that David sees that, that, that man, that, that mankind has not seen, but God allowed David just to look in and to see what's happening with a baby where today we have the privilege of 3D imaging where we can go to an office and see the making of a baby. David somehow is able to see how, how God, he forms the inward parts. He knits together the baby. That, that, that even, he says that, that, that even that God, he sees his unformed substance. David is able to see God's hand in creation. We sit also in Genesis chapter 1 where God says that, that so God created man in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them that God took from dust that God took from dust on the ground and he breathed into the nostrils and then there came a living soul. The Bible is clear that God is the author of life. That according to the Bible the sanctity of life is rooted and grounded in creation. If God is, and since God is the author of life, whether or not pregnancy is planned or not is the result of sin or not, we must conclude that given that given that, that, that no matter what the case is, God is responsible for any and all life, period. God is sovereign over all life, even when life is created through hardship, crime, or challenging circumstances. Let me give you a quote that, that I found, and I don't know where I where I Found it, but it's a good one, so I'm going to use it. Amen? So it says, In the mind and will of God, there is no such thing as an unplanned or unwanted pregnancy. Think about that. Babies don't happen by accident. Human beings are simply able to reproduce what he's produced. Also in America, some churches equate the sin of sex outside of marriage with an actual pregnancy. Unmarried sex is sinful and bad. So we think that the pregnancy must be bad. Let me stop here and tell you a story. I got to. One day, and what my daughter and wife still today don't call a man cave. I call it a man cave. I was in this man cave watching the Dallas Cowboys lose once again. So there's no telling what year this was, okay? It, was, it could have been a long time ago because they were losing once again. I get this phone call. Bring, bring. It's my son, Nicholas. Saying, Daddy, I have for you some good news and some bad news. And me wanting this conversation to end on a high note, give me first the bad news. My son, he's, he's 24 in Houston, uh, dating Ashley. He tells me, Daddy, she's pregnant. 
Now, my, my, my initial response was not gospel-centered. Mind you. What? Nick, she's... Okay, I, 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 Nick, give me the good news. You are a granddad. <laughs> that's the same news. That's, I call that neutral news, nigga, good or bad. I mean, I mean, hold on now. Okay, you want to call it good? It's good, man. And man, I just remember at that time, man, me thinking that, man, the children are inherited from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. So I know this is not how you planned it. I know it is not the gospel-centered situation in having a child. I know he's unwed. I know that he's not married. I know that he's single, committing fornication. Some, some that you know that I, I, I dislike, I hate sin. But even in the midst of that, I decided to bring forth a child. And if I decided to bring forth a child, who are you to decide it's a bad thing? I am the author of life. Not Nicholas. Not Ashley. I saw fit in that. To bring forth a life. And then, y'all, the second half of this quote is amazing. Yes, there. Watch this. I'm listening to Nicholas give me the good news, bad news, whatever that is. And here's the quote. How quickly did I forget and dismiss the fact that God works through our sin, mistakes, and accidents, screw-ups, and poor decisions for our good and his glory? We are all born in and corrupted by sin, but God uses even our corrupted nature to accomplish his will. Let me remind you, Stonegate and myself especially, that God uses messed up people and their sins for good all the time. When it's all said and done, God is the author of life. Each human being, regardless of how or she is conceived, has priceless value, uniqueness, and purpose. The situation wasn't ideal, but God said, I'm going to produce a child. Through Nick and Hassan. Don't be good with the sin, but love the child that's in the womb. And now, he's gonna, he's gonna call, she, her name is Harper. She's due next month. I get the chance to be a V paw, a Valentine paw. <laughs> and I get the opportunity to finally, man, I'm excited. To spoil a child rotten and send her off. <laughs> you fix it. And I promise you, I'm gonna spoil her at every opportunity I get and say, Nick, it's on you now. <laughs> you fix it. We're good. And man, that's the privilege of a grandpa or grandparents. They get a chance, man. Man, man, they, 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 they get a chance to, to spoil riding because of God's goodness and grace and their life, this, this precious and unique life, and give it back to their mother. That's a grace from God, amen? So if that's the case, if, if God is the author of life, and he is, since God is, to commit an abortion is an affront to the character of God because that human being was created in the likeness of God. We understand that life comes from God. He is the author of life. But also, we want to understand, when does life begin? 
Look, look what David said here in the text. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me. There's, there's some knitting going on uh, together while I'm in my mother's womb. Uh, Verse 15, my frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. I, know I, had, a, I had a chance to, uh, 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 to this time be married to, to my wife and have a baby, Naraya. I had a chance to talk to Dr. Tillman about all, I had a lot of questions about pregnancy. And I said, so man, when, 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 is, when, when is life Start. I mean, when does life, when, when does it really, when does, when, when does life get going? And, uh, she, and she said, well, it, 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 life starts at conception. That everything that, that the child is going to be is already there when the egg and the sperm meet. The only thing now the child would need while in the womb is two things, oxygen and nutrition. That's all, that's all we add to a child is oxygen and nutrition and voila. In two weeks, the heart starts to beating. Two weeks. By 19 weeks, a child is able to exist outside of the womb. Sadly, and you hear this in a minute, most abortions happen between week eight and 12. When the child is able to swallow, when the fingers have started to form, at that side, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but that's when life begins. In 1973, the Supreme Court decision uh, that was uh, uh, decided, it allowed abortions on demand. Why? Because they thought that a, a developing fetus or embryo was considered an unborn person. The person was not, that it was a protoplasm or a cell. It's not really a life. They didn't have the technology that we have today. So back then, and even now, when they know that science proves it, they still try to stay away from using the language that the baby is a soul or a life. Listen to this quote. Many people have, have been told that there is no medical or scientific consensus as to when human life begins. This is simply untrue. Among those scientists who have no vested interest in the abortion issue, there is, there is an overwhelming consensus that human life begins at conception. Conception is at the moment when the egg is fertilized by the sperm, bringing into existence the zygote or the zygote. That, yeah, there it is, which is genetically, which is a genetically distinct individual, end quote, Randy Alcorn. There's no debate. You can search Old Testament scriptures all day long and you see that, man, the Old Testament affirms that life starts at conception. How about the New Testament? I'm so glad you asked. In Luke chapter 18, verse 15, it says in 15, when they were bringing even infants, to him, to Christ, that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked, they rebuked them. So here it is. You got this scene where people are bringing their infants, little infants, to Jesus. They call them infants there. If you go back 14 chapters or 16 chapters or, yeah, seven, to Luke chapter 1, amen. Uh, 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 to verse 40, it says this, and when she, Mary, who was pregnant then with Christ, entered the house of Zechariah and greeted her cousin Elizabeth, and when Elizabeth, her cousin, heard the greeting of Mary, that now the, that the, uh, 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 of Mary, the baby, John the Baptist, when Mary came in and said that she was pregnant with Jesus, John the Baptist, being a baby in this text, he leaped in the womb. 
and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the thing here that is great. The baby being brought to Jesus, and John the Baptist, the baby found in the womb. Those two words are the same Greek word. An infant being carried, a baby in the womb. They use the same word. As if Christ is saying, to me, a life is one that's being brought by me or one being created by me. I deem them both lives and souls that I'm creating. If that's the case, well then to create or to commit an abortion is murder. It's sin. A different sin from stealing a pen or a book, a different degree probably, but what is all said and done is sin. That Jesus Christ went to the cross and died for. I'm not trying to make light of sin in any fashion. I'm trying to make much of Jesus. I don't care how, what sin you've, 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 you've committed, how heinous the act was, it's no greater than the shed blood of Jesus. There's forgiveness, there's peace, there's life he's offering you today. And to commit an abortion is an attack on the work of God, on the miracle of God in the womb. So we understand that where or who is who is who is the author, who is who is the creative life. We see when life begins. I guess the, I guess the question now is. When does life end? Because there's a tension in when life starts and when life ends. Uh, the, the psalmist says here, your eyes, in verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. He's saying in short that God knows the beginning and uh, from the end, uh, uh, to the end. And, and this is why you hear Moses asking God, teach me to number my days that I may live wisely and shrewdly in them. God knows the day of your birth, and he knows also the day of your death. But here's the thing about this issue. This issue, this decision has now put in the hands of man the right to take life that solely should belong to God. This decision made in January of 1973 by the Supreme Court, they put in the hand of a woman and family who helped support what that is to decide when to take a life and when not to, to protect her privacy. R.C. Spoh says, at the heart of the abortion issues, Rest one overarching question, is abortion a form of murder? In other words, does abortion involve the willful destruction of a human person? 
There are some Christians who don't believe this. It is, again, murder. But if you're here as a child of God, it's a sin that has been dealt with at the cross. And maybe you're asking me, well, how is America doing regarding this issue? What do I, what is this country that was once established by God? Where are we doing? What, where are we on this issue? Let me t- show you. The goop mocker, maker, that right there, y'all, Institute, a polling agency for the abortion industry reports that four out of every 10 pregnancies are ended in abortion. There are 1,900 abortions performed a day in America. Since 1973, Roe v. Wade, there has been, or have been, 58,653,900 abortions committed. They call it an American Holocaust. There is an abortion happening every 1.3 seconds. There have been 6,982,439 abortions committed by Planned Parenthood, who is supported by the government. Planned Parenthood has performed up to date, this January 24th, 20,077 abortions. 67,560 abortions have been performed as of yesterday, 2 p.m. We've got all, all these stats. There have been 655 abortions performed due to rape and incest. Now, I want to be gracious, gracious here. If God is the author of life, as a Christian, again, no matter the circumstance, and I want to be compassionate, I, I want to be merciful in this, However a life come, even since God is the author of life, he's going to give you grace to make it. We don't deserve the right to abort a child. Even in such situations like this. 90 between 90 and 92% of babies who have Down syndrome never make it out the womb. 90% that when they're going in and when the baby is getting tested and the parents found out that this baby have Down syndrome, nine out of 10 people decide to end the life. There have been 17,596,146 black babies killed since 1973. Almost 7, 7 million of those have been performed by Planned Parenthood. I don't speak for all black leaders but I do speak for some 
who are pro-choice and not pro-life on this issue. Leading churches today. I know there are other races, but in case you didn't know, I'm black. <laughs> it is. And when I read this stat, I stopped and I weeped. A third of the American, the African American population has not made it out the womb. Abortion is America's most frequently performed surgery on women. When you think about all the surgeries that women have, and I'm married, and she's had some, and they're costly, not free, but I love her. There's no other surgery performed more on women than this one. It breaks your heart. And if you're a Christian, it should break your heart. That Christians, as, as well as people who don't know God, are deciding in these moments to take a life. Regarding this issue, abortion is simply it's, it's an attack on the purpose and plans of God that God has with babies. I'm, I'm you, and I'm, how, why should I be so concerned about being pro-life in the womb? Because in the womb, your, fa your good father, he, he cared enough, and he called you out in the womb to see fit for you to get out the womb. That, that your father who adopted you, cared, called you and, and cared for you and said, hey, I'm going to get you out the womb. And if, that's the, and, and if that's the action of our father, shouldn't it be the action of his children? Shouldn't we be concerned about babies inside the womb? Unborn babies, they're valuable to God. To God, they're precious. They are his handiwork. We put them to death. But I know I'm passionate, but as passionate as I am, God is more loving. And we see it in Jesus. He forgives. Listen to me. I paid for two abortions. And I recall on one of the abortions, I drove her to the clinic called my homeboy, man, give me a ride, had her to drive 45 miles back after the baby had been sucked out of her womb. Didn't care at all. I can't condemn anybody. But I stand with those who have committed and or supported Forgiven completely. I'm forgiven. There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the spirit, for the, for the law of the spirit of life has set me free in Christ from the law of sin and death. I'm free. You're free because of Jesus. That's pro-life in the womb. Pro-life outside the womb. I gotta, I gotta go. Okay. All right, all right. All right. Gotta go. All right. Let me read this because I, I, I want to make sure that I get over what, what, what I want to say. If you are a Christian, a child of God, we should not only be anti-abortion, unborn, but also pro-life after being born. We can't lean heavily on one side and negate the other side. 
I can't be anti-abortion and yet not be pro-life. But I can't be pro-life and not be anti-abortion. We have to be both of them. Anti-abortion, pro-life. If we are to follow Jesus, and we do, if we're Christians, and we are, if we believe in, proclaim, watch this, and do the gospel. We believe in, we claim, but also we're called to do the gospel. Then we must be committed to doing and promoting real, actual justice in that world. He saved us. He's left us to make a change for his glory and for the good and flourishing of others. We must be pro-life. Today, we're talking about babies. But for those who are elderly, those who are handicapped, those who are homeless, those who are, 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 are hungry, we have to be pro-life. We have to be concerned about those who are in need. Isn't that what Paul said? For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God, he prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. What are good works? I'm glad you asked. Psalm 82, 3 and 4. Give justice to the weak and fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. Proverbs 31, 8 and 9. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. It's sad to say, but if James was here today, he says, you show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith with them, because faith without works it's dead. It's like we're Christians in mind, but not in movement. I'm saved. I enjoy being saved. Good for you. Faith without works. Saving faith without works, James says, is useless. Tony Evans says this. Biblical justice is not a passive awareness. I know it's there, but I ain't, okay, I see it. I'm not going to, okay, it's there. I hear about it. And you sit there and you do nothing. Nothing at all. Biblical justice is not a passive awareness of human needs, but rather an action taken to execute God's justice for his glory in the midst of an unjust society. And we're living in those days now. German scholar, pastor, my boy, I call him DB, says this, we are not to simply banish the wounds of victims beneath the wheels of injustice. We are to drive a spoke into the wheel itself. Maybe you're saying, okay, I hear you. How does that apply to me? Yeah, I got to move swiftly. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I'm long-winded. Amen? Number one, we need to remember Jesus. Remember the person and work of, finish, of, of, of Jesus Christ. Here's the truth. 50%, one out of two 
individuals who have committed abortion feel like when you preach the gospel in forgiveness, it doesn't apply to their sin because their sin seems to be so bad. But Paul would say, if you think your sin was bad, I was going around killing sin, uh, killing saints. I'm, I am the chief sinner and God forgave Paul. I promise you, he'll forgive you. Remember Jesus. Remember the finished work of Jesus. Two, remember that you have been adopted by your father and for the purpose of his will. I wish I could stay here long, but I can't, so let me just mention this. God has been so gracious in giving Stonegate an orphan care ministry to love, to serve, and to walk with those who feel compelled to jump in to fostering and adoption. My wife and I, we've jumped in to fostering and, and adoption. Now, no matter the frustration, no matter the, the, the slowness that they tend to act with, we know it's well worth it. And maybe you hear, and maybe God has pushed you. God, maybe, man, through just a series of events and sermons, God, he's pushed you to the ledge, and he says, jump all in. I can promise if God, who is faithful, is telling you in faith to jump in, he'll catch you. No matter the money or barriers, if he's calling you to adopt he will provide for you. Two, open your lives and homes because people who go through this, people who are going through this or have went through this, they feel alone. They need to be surrounded by people who love them. Volunteer and or serve at a pregnancy crisis center or here at Stonegate. First look is here today. They, are, they serve the Ellis County. They're in Waxahachie. They have a booth outside along with Orphan Care, the Orphan Care Ministry of Stonegate. And listen, they're needing people to just volunteer two hours a week to be a spiritual mentor, to be a helping hand in some facet. Man, just go and volunteer your time, your heart to this injustice that is so prevalent today in this area and beyond. Also, man, they're asking if you can, if, if, if you feel led, to give a one-time donation today or a monthly to help them because since they are, they are donor-supported, donor they make money from, from people who give to them. So if you feel that, man, to go out there, man, and meet Alicia, write a check, God bless you. Real good. Amen? And then lastly, pray, 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 be humble, and learn. We have a great team here that, that can train you and teach you about this. Yes, so please, Pray, be humble, and learn. Last, let me give you this quote that I, that I found. You know, y'all, I'm done. Yes, yes, I'm done. Here, here, this, here this. Jane Roe became pro-life. Roe versus Wade, that Roe. In 1995, while working at the clinic, Norma became haunted by the sight and sound of empty playgrounds in her neighborhood. Once teeming with kids, now they, seemed, now they seemed deserted, and she began to see it as the result of what she once called my law. But the decisive change happened when she met Emily Mackey, a seven-year-old girl whose parents were protesting at the clinic where Miss Norma worked. Emily, who said, who had almost been aborted herself, befriended Norma, showing genuine interest in love, giving her hugs and inviting her to church. Through this young girl's combination of truth and grace, along with those who shared the gospel of Jesus with her normal, who was Jane Roe, and the Roe versus Wade, not only became convinced 
of the pro-life position, but also converted to Christianity. <laughs> Tell me that my God ain't good. Huh? He'll do it. Let me read some more here, y'all. This is good stuff here. I think it is safe to say, this is from Norma, y'all, that the entire abortion industry is based on a lie. This is her saying this. I am dedicated to spending the rest of my natural born life, my words, undoing the law that bears my name. End quote. Norma. Norma says she became saved and began to fight against this injustice that she said was a lie. If you read her story, she never committed not one abortion. Four kids, no abortions. Yet her name is on this Supreme Court decision. May God move us to action. May God move us to work because of our faith in Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you and we, we, and we love you so much for what you're doing uh, in our hearts and our lives. We thank you for the work you're doing here at Stonegate. And God, coming around individuals, souls, and we're saying saved or unsaved, God, that really needs to be educated, God, and, and, God, and, and, and hopefully, God, if they're not saved, saved. God, we thank you for Jesus and that no matter how we heard what we heard, here's the truth. If we're yours, we are forgiven completely. No guilt, no shame. It's finished. Because of you being to us a good, good father, seen vastly in the person and work of Jesus. But God, here's the, here's the other thing that you've, you've come to reverse what this decision has done. Whereas where this decision tends to, to kill life before it lives, you've come to give death to life. You've, you've reversed it in Christ. That you're willing to call out to the dead, to, to, to come alive in Jesus because of the proclamation of the gospel in the work of the Holy Spirit. And Father God, we thank you. Will you now in this moment save? Transfer someone or somebody's from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of your beloved son. Do it now. Father, I pray that those who are here that need someone to walk with, that Stonegate would be a, a safe place where they can share, struggle, and yet change at the same time. We need you. And we thank you. We ask it in your son's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonegate Church, located in Midlothian, Texas. For service times, additional audio and study resources, as well as information about our church, please visit us at stonegate-church.com.